0: money fm 89.3 best of the breakfast huddle why it matters on money fm 89.3 Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's the breakfast huddle with Adrian Abraham and Ryan Huang. Time now for Why It Matters. And today we're going to be talking about how accurate healthcare data is key to resilient health systems. Well, the World Health Organization recently announced new estimates that showed excess debt as a result of COVID 19 pandemic was approximately 14.9 million. That's far above existing estimates. This difference is published data versus actual data, and it's more than just a statistical error. And if the true extent of excess mortality remains hidden, policymakers will not be able to understand the real impact of the pandemic and will not be able to create policies that reduce mortality and prevent future pandemics. Inaccurate data can also do even more damage as it can lead to faulty analysis and influence policy decisions that exacerbate problems rather than solve them. Therefore, it is vital that healthcare providers, whether governments or companies, understand where the data gaps are and fill them. And this starts with accurate data collection at source and developing the ability to track outbreaks and collect this data in real time. So how can governments and companies collect accurate data to help them with building a resilient health system? We have on the line Chua Ming Jie, Chief Executive Officer, Evid Technology. And welcome to the show, sir. Let's start with your company, Evid Technology. How has the business evolved and pivoted due to the pandemic?
1: Hi, good morning, Adrian. Thank you for having me. You can actually call me MJ, that's easier. So a quick background of you know the company. I founded the company about two years ago in the midst of the first wave of the COVID-19 pandemic with the aim to leverage data intelligence to drive better healthcare outcomes for all. And we offer solutions for health data processing and governance, research, public health surveillance and population health management. Today, we employ over 200 employees across Singapore, Brunei, Beijing and Shanghai with plans to sell up offices in the US this year.
0: MJ, yeah, thank you for that introduction. So, you know, I also want to know how has the COVID-19 pandemic forced the healthcare sector to embrace tech and data intelligence?
1: Yeah, I think the pandemic sort of forces you know, healthcare participants, health authorities to face with the problems of a resource constraint. And in that situation, we realise that we actually need solutions to manage you know, a lot of the sort of, you know, populations in terms of the policies at scale. Right. So with that, that requires you know, more timely information of what's going on. How do I prioritise my resources to those most in need? so with that pressing needs, then comes the embracement of the data solutions technology. And I think that helps to get over some of the initial inertia that health authorities, healthcare participants you know used to have where you know things actually, you know without embracing some of this technology could you know, continue to function.
0: Yeah, collecting the right data is vital in this day and age. You know, how can we leverage big data and AI to, you know, optimize sharper insights and outcomes for public health, MJ?
1: Yeah, so just to, you know, give an example of How we partner with, you know, the Ministry of Health, Brunei, from the onset of the pandemic and how has that engagement, you know, evolved from there. Very early on, I think, you know, it's very important to get a timely view of the progression of the pandemic so that, uh, you know, the right measures can be taken, right, and resources can be better prioritised. So what we did was to set up a system to aggregate data from their healthcare systems, Uh, as well as to collect data from the population so that we have a very timely and accurate view of how the pandemic is evolving in terms of where the cases are appearing and how it's trending. So with that, that then translates to, uh, you know, policies, adjustments in terms of tightening and they can be then, um, you know, localized to specific areas so that we don't have to, you know, close the policies. Then moving on to, you know, where we start the immunization program. Right, so at that point in time, they also face the constraint of vaccine inventory. So we actually leverage the data that we aggregated from the you know, health systems in Brunei to then prioritize populations uh, that are at higher risk, so that then we can vaccinate those people first, right? And also then we have you know online appointment to receive the vaccine, so that we can better plan the vaccine inventory to reduce wastage.
0: Yeah, MJ, you know, you mentioned the Ministry of Health there and and working with them. Can you also share with us a few more examples that you have, you know, different organisations that you work with?
1: Hmm. Yeah, so a lot of our work at the moment actually mostly still with, you know, health authorities. So for Brunei, actually our work with them has expanded beyond pandemic response to public health surveillance and to population health management. We have also implemented our evidence platform. So that's our data operating platform. And I'm working with the ministry to leverage the platform to develop a research ecosystem by partnering local and regional research institutions. In October last year, we partnered with the Ministry of Health and Ministry of Finance Economy, Brunei, and Temasek Foundation to co-organize an inaugural special ministerial conference for Digital Public Health ASEAN. And in Singapore, we work with the Ministry of Health to develop the statistical risk model to predict local transmission of COVID-19. And beyond the Ministry of Health, we also work with research institutions uh, in Singapore to develop research registry for specific diseases.
0: MJ, let's turn our attention to the challenges and benefits of collecting data. You know, drawing all this data from multiple sources in complex societies and economies. How can technologies, you know, facilitate this? And, you know, what are some of the challenges that you've had to
1: overcome? I think for us, we pride ourselves to be, you know, a data AI company. But to be honest, you know, very often we think that, you know, AI is a buzzword right but many of our solutions don't really require a very complicated algorithm and our philosophy is not to overkill things and try to address the low and hanging fruits that will drive the highest ROI and allow us to build confidence with our clients over time i think then coming back to healthcare i think the main border net really for us to extract greater value from data is accessibility to that data in part that's a technological challenge and that's also the non-technological question right and our philosophy is also you know how can we use technology to address some of the questions some of the inertia that that may not be technological driven i think one of the concerns that people really have is you know data ownership data security so that's an area that you know we focus a lot on to address the concerns that people have so you know there are new technologies out there that we are also developing you know such as federated learning that you know may allow us to overcome some of this border net or pushbacks that people have
0: yeah MJ we often talk about you know the right data ending up in the right hands but what happens when this data ends up in the wrong hands what's next
1: yeah so that is you know something that we focus a lot on so i think really security data security privacy is key and it can be very detrimental where your know, data ends up in the hands of you know the wrong people
0: yeah and that's why data should end up in the right hands also the government's role in using science and tech to change the healthcare sector we've seen just during the covid-19 pandemic actually when there's any massive outbreaks how heavily involved they are with dealing with the situation how can governments use science and technology to you know transform public healthcare policymaking
1: yeah so i think there needs to be a strong public um, private Partnership, the ecosystem participants will have to work very closely together. And in terms of leveraging the data, I think one of the things that we all observe is that healthcare data actually resides in disparate Mm -hmm. systems, they reside with different stakeholders. And being able to leverage that data as a whole has a lot of value, but without, I think, the involvement of policymakers, health authorities to facilitate that stakeholders coming together, it may actually be very difficult to achieve that. So that's where I think there's a role that the governments can play in bringing together the different stakeholders. So that's the first step. And second, I think for healthcare, we know healthcare is complex, it's difficult. There's no one company or one organisation that will have all the expertise. So the ability to actually work together, to cross-leverage the expertise is very important, and that's our philosophy as well. So in a lot of the work that we do uh, in terms of our capabilities development, we work very closely with our partners, our clients, as well as research institutions to co-create and co-develop. So I think that is important. And third, as we leverage a lot of this digital technology, data science, in implementing some of these public health programs or population health programs, I think having that conducive regulatory framework to safeguard and to promote that is very important as well.
0: And MJ, looking ahead, right, how do you think EVID technology could work better with other governments in the near future?
1: So one of the things that for us is we pride ourselves as a Southeast Asia-based company. It's our home ground. So that's where we would want to facilitate you know, more collaboration amongst governments in the region And building on the special ministerial conference that we hosted last year, we talk about bringing stakeholders within countries and across and within the region together. One of the initiatives that was announced then was the ASEAN Rumour Surveillance Platform. And for that, we are working with the Ministry of Health, Brunei. We are also engaging research institutions in Singapore and the ASEAN EOC with the Le- implementer in Malaysia, to co-develop this platform to screen for emergence of infectious diseases or public health emergencies through social media scraping. So we see that as you know, one of the first steps to bring different public health officials onto the same platform to collaborate on something that may be at the back of the pandemic, still on the minds of the governments in the region.
0: And that's how governments will work with EVID to, you know, progress strongly looking ahead. Now, before I let you go and wrap up this segment, what's next for EVID? You know, have you got any plans in the pipeline?
1: Yeah, so we... As mentioned, at the start of the introduction, we were founded about two years ago with a team of five. And at the moment, we've already grown to 200 over-employees, Singapore, Brunei, Beijing and Shanghai. We aim to double our workforce in the next 12 to 16 months as we accelerate R&D and expand beyond Southeast Asia to North America, Australia and New Zealand.
0: Well, there you have it. That's what EVIT has planned for the future. We've been in conversation with Chua Ming-Jia, Chief Executive Officer EVIT Technology. Thank you so much for your time, and have a great rest of the day. Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.